We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're talking about vision. We've talked about the fact that we are here for those who are not here yet. We exist for those who haven't come into the kingdom at this point. That's the primary mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Through the years, we have diluted that and polluted that. And we've convinced people we're here for a lot of other reasons. But the bottom line, the last words of Jesus to the disciples, hence to you and I, were to go and make disciples. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be a witness unto me. You see, the reason we exist as a church corporately and as believers individually is to bring people to Jesus Christ. We do that through our lifestyles. We do that through our worship of Him. We do that because He has changed us and it sets an example. It draws people to Jesus Christ. Then we talked about the fact that if we're really here for those that exist, we need to understand what we're asking them to do. When someone comes to Christ, we're asking them to come and die. We're asking them to give up their life so that they may gain eternal life. That's what Jesus clearly teaches He said, if any man come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. The Apostle Paul continued that teaching when he said, I die daily. When he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, we need to understand that Christianity is a great exchange. I'm exchanging my old life of sin and frustration and failure for a new life of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. It's the best exchange we could ever make. And that's the message we have to portray. But listen, so often we have put emphasis upon you've got to come and die, and we failed to tell people how that occurs. It occurs through the power of God working in your life. Outside of the power of God, it's absolutely impossible. That's why we have so many religious folks around us today. That's why we have thousands of denominations because someone said, I don't like what you're teaching. I believe this. And they go out and start their own thing, ignoring what Jesus has taught us. Today, friend, I challenge you. To lay aside your preferences, your personality, focus on what God is asking you to do. He's asking you to be a vessel of his mighty power. He's asking you to let his grace and his mercy to show, so flow through you and shine through you that people will see your life and glorify a living God. You see, that's the real church. That's not religion. That's relationship with Jesus being so real, so raw, so relevant that those around you see it and notice it. We're not focusing on the minor things. We're focusing on the major thing. Is that letting Jesus, people see Jesus through me? People understanding the God I serve is real and he's alive. You see, I'm convinced outside of the power of God at work through his people, which we call the church, there is no hope for anyone coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we can join a church, we can be baptized, we can sign our name on the roll, but that doesn't give us a relationship with God. Only bowing at the cross, accepting as a Lord and Savior, acknowledging him will allow us to have that relationship that brings the benefits of the kingdom of God. 
There are no other doors. There is no other entrance. It doesn't matter who tells you what. There is still one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. So think about it. We have to have the power of God working in and through our lives in order to see people brought to the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the writer says these words. In the King James, it's phrased this way. Now looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him despised the shame of the cross. He did what God asked him to do from the message version. It reads this way. When he said these words in the passage of scripture, he said very clearly, fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what I'm challenging you to do today. You see, it's not about my vision for this church. It's about his vision. It's not about the board's vision for this church. It's about his vision. And his vision is laid out for us clearly throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, carried out throughout the Pauline epistles, the book of Acts. We see it again and again. His mission, his vision is to reach all men by all means. To reach men and women regardless of race or background or ethnic group or language. To reach men and women for Jesus Christ. We read this last week. I want to read it one more time. 2 Peter 2, chapter 9, 2 Peter 2, verse 10 says these words. We are God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made in you. Because you came from nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. So why is it so important that we as believers understand the vision of Jesus Christ for our lives and for our world? Because if we don't, listen, if we don't, we become very content with church as usual. We become very content with being average We talked about in that opening series this year, Overflow. We don't want to be average. We want to be normal. And the normal church is full of the power of the living God. The normal church walks out the book of Acts in our lives today. It's necessary that we understand if we aren't following and flowing in the vision of God, we're just adhering to man-made religion. We're just following a system or a set of rules that at its root is designed to do one thing. And that one thing is to make us self-righteous. But what did Isaiah say about that? He said, your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. But when we put on Jesus Christ, we put on His righteousness. And His righteousness allows us to stand before the living God saying, I am cleansed. I am freed. I'm no longer condemned. I'm a child of the... Oh, somebody say amen. (laughs) So what do you want? You want religion? Or do you want the vision and the life of Christ flowing in and through you? See, today the argument is... Well, we believe in grace, not works. I do too. Actually, I believe in both. I believe salvation is not a work according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is a gift of God. It's not something you can earn. It's something he gave us through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. Salvation, relationship with God is a gift that's given through Jesus Christ. But you need to read verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Because verse 10 says, even though salvation comes by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. 
created in God before the world began for good works. Oh man, how does that confuse our theology? I just want to be all grace, 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 and never have anything required of me. Let me tell you something. If you accept Christ as your Savior, there are requirements placed on your life. And those requirements are to live for Him, to obey Him, to submit to Him, to serve Him, to be guided and directed by the Spirit of the living God, to move out of the place where it's just about me and where it becomes about Him. We need to understand that because verse 10 says we are created for good works. John chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. Jesus said to the disciples, whoever believes in me, greater works than I have done, he shall do. Did you hear that word again? Doesn't that just drive you nuts? Doesn't that just mess up your theology? Jesus said it. I didn't say it. He did. Greater works than these shall ye do because I go to the Father. And anything you ask in my name, my Father will give to you. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying that this thing we call Christianity, it's a whole lot more than sitting on a church pew. It's a whole lot more than giving an offering. It's a whole lot more than teaching a class. It consumes us. It becomes our lifestyle. And everyone around us understands and recognizes there's something different about that dude. There's something different about that woman. There's something different about that teenager. Greater works. Look at our culture today. Our culture is filled with a quest and a desire for something that's not natural. Watch the movies that are coming out and see how many of them deal with the supernatural, with the occult, with superheroes, with things that are not real life in this world. Look at the books that are being written and how many of those books deal with these very same topics. Our culture is on a quest. They are thirsty for the supernatural. May I tell you that if they find it anywhere except at the cross, it's counterfeit and it leads them to disappointment, frustration, failure, and ultimately hell. But we have a message and we contain a power. Oh, the Holy Ghost of God is living in you. Do you understand that? When you by grace through faith come to Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God indwells you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives in you, then by golly, we need to stand up and say, I'm full of the power of God and no devil in hell can stand to confront me. Come on, church. Know who you are in Christ. You are full of the spirit of God. Our world is looking for the supernatural and it's contained in us. Why did Jesus say greater works than these shall ye do? Because he wanted us to understand the works of miracles and healing and everything else that he did did not stop with his death and resurrection. But they continue through the church of Jesus Christ. That's why he said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power to be witnesses unto me, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Oh, come on somebody. It's time to stand up and let the power of God flow through your life. Our world is waiting for believers who will say we are not average. We are normal. This is what church is supposed to look like. 
The world is waiting for a church that has the audacity and the boldness to say we are full of the Holy Ghost and the natural result of that filling is an outflow of God's power. You know, someone said to me not long ago, do you get a lot of people calling you for prayer? There are some, but not as much as there was five years ago. Because you are learning and you have caught the vision, the fact that you don't need me to pray for you. You can call on God in the name of Jesus who will intercede in your behalf. He'll meet your need. He'll heal your body. He'll prove himself to you. Oh, come on, church. Stop being preacher dependent and become Jesus dependent. Watch what he can do. You know what? That same principle transfers to those around you as well. You don't need to call me to pray for somebody. Pray for them yourself. If the same power dwells in you, then get up off your behind, lay your hands on the sick, and they shall be healed. Take authority over the demonic, and they shall flee. In the name of Jesus, you have that power. Now think about, we're asking people to come and die without giving them the recipe for success. The recipe is the power of God. It's God's power, God's spirit working in and through our life. I can teach you until there's nothing left to teach you. But unless I introduce you to the Holy Spirit of the living God, who is that power agent, that dunamis, that dynamite at work in you, all you've heard are words and the wisdom of man. But when you come into contact with the dunamis power of God, Suddenly, everything that you've heard up here makes sense down here. Faith arises in your spirit. Fear flees. Boldness arises. And you're able to allow God to flow through you to touch someone else. The same spirit that dwells in you. The same spirit that dwells in you raised Christ from the dead. Think about it. We invite people who don't know Jesus to church. We ask them to sing songs they've never heard. And we ask them to understand a God they've never met. How unfair is that? You see, it's our responsibility as born-again believers to rub off on somebody. I didn't say to rub somebody wrong. I said rub off on somebody. I didn't say to pick a fight and have a theological argument. I said rub off on somebody. You know how you rub off on somebody? You let the light shine. You be a consistent witness. You let the love of God flow through you. And when the opportunity presents itself, you take authority and let the power of God to flow through your life. Someone says, why do you wear that silly motorcycle vest every day? Why do you ride that silly motorcycle every day? My wife will verify that this is absolutely true. Because a day doesn't pass, but what a man, and it's always men, it's never been a woman, but a man will see that vest and comment. Or a man will see that motorcycle and comment. And it opens the door for me to begin to tell them why I do what I do, what that represents, what it means. It opens the door to begin building a relationship, a bridge across which I can present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? The things that appear so silly to us are things that God can use in a mighty way to transform individuals. Oh, come on, friend. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Rub off on somebody. 
Don't just bring them to church. Warm them up. Prepare them. Get them ready for what they're going to experience when they come. Let them know that this could be a life-changing encounter, whether they're looking for it or not. I love it when people come to Jesus Christ. I love it when they surrender their hearts and their lives to Him. That's what we're all about. But you know what I also love? I love it, just like it happened out on Main Street this morning, when a believer tells me, I talked to this person. They needed to know there's hope. I invited them to come today. They gave me the name. I'll see if they're here. And God will do something in their hearts and lives. I think when we stop sharing our faith, when we stop sharing our hope, when we stop sharing what we have in us, we just become religious. Our neighbors are going to hell. Some of our family members are going to hell. Many of the folks we work with don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. When I stand before the Lord, and every one of us will, when I stand before the Lord and give account for my relationship with Him after I've known Him as Lord and Savior... I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say that the things you did, the works you were involved in, were gold. They were wood, hay, and stubble. Oh, come on, folks. We have that assurance when we bring people in. When we invest in their lives. When we talk to them about the power of God. What God is able to do. Don't talk to them about religion. Don't talk to them about church. Talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them about Jesus. Jesus is the only answer, the only solution. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, I find this passage very interesting because we pick and choose. He says, These signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to speak with other tongues. If they drink any deadly poison, it's not going to kill them. If they pick up a snake and it bites them, they'll not be harmed. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, I like the last one, don't you? Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm not too much of a fan for drinking poison, amen? Don't want to go down that road. I'm not too much of a fan of handling snakes, you know what I mean? I grew up in rattlesnake country. I caught a bunch of them when I was a kid. But I didn't let them bite me because I knew they'd hurt me. You see, what Jesus is saying, that anything the devil forms against you to destroy you, in that passage is saying anything he forms to destroy you, my power is greater. Some of you remember the story of when I was in Costa Rica in 1999 and was bitten by a two-step snake. I should have been dead immediately. But the power of God overcame the venom of that snake. And I'm standing here today saying the devil designed it to destroy me. But God had another plan. And I will not give the devil any dues. God is able. Come on, folks. God is able. Culture is crying for something that's real and genuine and powerful. Bill mentioned it earlier. They have a wrong impression of the Pentecostal church. They think we roll in the aisles, swing from the chandeliers. Thank goodness we don't have any. Maybe swing from the light bars, all that good stuff. 
A wrong impression because we placed all the emphasis upon that type of thing and none of the emphasis upon the power of God to reach the world. The purpose of Pentecost is not to make me speak in tongues or to prophesy. The purpose of Pentecost is to give me the power to be a witness unto Jesus Christ. And when we invert that, bad things always happen. Crazy things always occur. People get completely out of sync and out of step. Our culture is looking for real and genuine and powerful. But we're content to play church. We're content to go through the routine. We're content to argue about stuff that only divides and doesn't matter in eternity. Do you realize that this year, at least 105,000 Christians will be killed for their faith around the world. Martyred. Did you know that last month alone in northern Nigeria, 300 Christians were martyred for their faith by the Boko Haram and the Faluni tribesmen, both Muslim groups. We were in Nigeria a few years ago. We met a pastor. His name is Pastor Mike from northern Nigeria. As I'm reading these reports, I'm crying and I'm praying, God, put your hand of protection around Pastor Mike and his congregation. God, keep them safe. He told me, I see the Boko Haram in our streets every day. They are here. They're active. Oh, come on, church. It's time to wake up and realize there's a battle going on around the world. We cannot afford to sit and sleep. We need to engage and be a heart and take the answer to the world. When Yvonne told me about praying in front of Planned Parenthood this last week and the one little Catholic lady and what she said the first time any other denomination has came to pray with us. I've got to stop and tell you it doesn't matter what you think about the Catholic Church. I applaud them today. They have taken a stand for life, and I applaud them for that stand. When the Protestants and the evangelicals have let the ball drop, has said it doesn't matter, who said it's a political issue, it's a woman's choice, the Catholic Church has stood firm and said, no, we believe in life. Isn't it time we took that stand as well? Isn't it time we stood up and say we believe in life? I challenge you. Go down there. Stand on that sidewalk. And pray, because this is what happens. When believers are praying through the power of the Holy Spirit in front of that place, clients don't go in. They drive through the parking lot and they leave. Not because those praying said anything to them, but because the Holy Ghost of God did something in them. They can't even begin to understand, but they know it's not right and they can't do it. And they leave. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you understand the power that's at your disposal? You have the power to change lives. You know what Abraham or Paul said of Abraham? Romans 4, 17. He said it this way. Abraham served the God who called the things that were not as though they are. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ. When we look at our culture to start aligning our will with God's will, our words with God's word, our actions with God's action, and saying, I'm going to call the things that are not as though they are. I'm going to call abortion ban, not only in the U.S., but around the world. 41 million babies were aborted last year around the world. Can you imagine how many doctors... Lawyers, scientists, police officers, plumbers, mechanics, homemakers, 
we have lost through the generations to abortion. Maybe we lost that one individual who would have found the cure to cancer. But they were aborted in the mother's womb. Maybe we found that one individual who would have been the next Billy Graham to be a flame of evangelism spreading across this nation and the world. They are aborted in the mother's womb. Church, I'm challenging you today. Stop the status quo. Understand the power that's in you. Stand up and be a voice for the church of Jesus Christ and the plan of God. Align your life, align your will, align your activities to the Word of God. Because greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. And anything you ask in His name, He will grant to you. Oh, come on, folks, realize that. There's power. We've let it slip through our fingers. We've ignored it and passed it off. We got consumed with religion. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. It talks to us about our warfare. It says in the King James, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but a mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But I like the way the message says it. Put that back up one more time. The message says we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought, emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for ground clearing of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Oh, someone get it. There is power contained in you. There is power contained in you. So when the devil comes up against you, you don't have to back away. You can stand in the face of evil and you can declare in the name of the Lord I serve, whose name is Jesus, I bind you and I send you out. Oh, come on, somebody get it in your spirit. There's power in you to affect the world. The only way lives will ever change is if we demonstrate that power. Most of our world today is hostile towards Christianity. Why? Because we're so introverted. I mean, we're like the Arkansas who marry their cousins. We just don't look right or sound right. Things aren't wrong. Because God didn't intend for us to be introverted. He intended for us to be extroverted, taking the gospel to the entirety of the world. But if all I can see is me and mine and what's inside in my church, I lose focus and vision. What did the writer of Hebrews say? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Follow him and follow him alone. Too often we waste our time on stuff that divides. It's time to stop the nonsense. It's time to embrace a faith without limits. Because we serve a God without limits. It's time to understand that when we put our lives in God's hand, God does powerful things. God does miraculous things. God does wonderful things. God brings heaven to earth when we allow him to flow through us. I could stand here today and tell you story after story after story of the lives that have been changed because God brought heaven to earth. 
People whose destinies have been altered. Addicts who've been delivered. Drunkards who've been set free. I could talk to you about marriages that have been resolved and healed. I could talk to you about teenagers living in rebellion that God brought back from the pits of darkness. Pulled them out of the miry clay and set their feet on a rock to stay. I could talk to you about men and women who in young age and old age came to know a Savior who radically transformed their life. Folks, that's what this book is about. This book isn't about a place of argument for you and me. It's not about a place of theological debate. It's about taking Jesus to the world. And I am convinced if we will ever catch his vision, ever catch what drove him to earth, ever catch what motivated God when Adam and Eve sinned to say to the devil, you will bruise his heel but he's going to bruise your head. Even when sin came, God already had a plan. If we can catch God's vision, then we begin to love our lives a little differently. Those around us begin to experience the power of God that's in us flowing through us. And they begin to see great things in their lives because we choose to be obedient and submissive and surrendered to the voice of the living God. It's time one more time, folks, to submit ourselves to Him. Say, God, move through me. Use me today. Let the power that's already in my spirit burst out in my life and let it touch someone that I will encounter this week. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this room this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. Today is your day. This is your moment that God has ordained for you to come into His presence, to be forgiven by the King of kings, and to allow the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to transform your life. That's you this morning. You've never accepted Christ, but you need to. You know that because Holy Spirit has been convicting you from the very moment this service started. Something's going on in your chest. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Making you uncomfortable. Helping you to see, I need Jesus. That's you. He's talking to you this morning. Right where you sit, any section, the risers, just simply slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be forgiven. Yes, sir. Someone else, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 